Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. All right, why don't we just stand and say a little prayer before we get into the word today. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. I ask you to give me eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to me today, and help that preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. You know, when I have seven pages of notes, I need help, right? Because I only have a, a period of time here that I have to get through this. But, um, you know, I, wa- I want to talk this morning. Um, the title of my message is The Greatest Threat to in- Intimacy. We want to look at what is, what is the greatest threat to intimacy. Uh, because intimacy is important. In order to have a healthy relationship, we, we must have intimacy, and we'll talk about what that looks like. And um, last few weeks, uh, well, last week we had the uh, Teen Challenge group here with us. And, um, but the week before that, I was, I was talking about parenting, talking about discipline, talking about raising children. And uh, that was kind of our theme for October. And... Um, there's three responsibilities we have as parents. Number one, we have to bring instruction to our children. And it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 to 9, it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Okay? You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to the commandments All right, that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Okay, and so, so because you love God, because we love God, um, we as parents need to give ourselves to His ways, Amen. So we have to be doers first. If we want the children to follow, uh, we we can't say you need to do this and do something else, right? We need to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to God's word because we love Him, and then through teaching, repetitively giving instruction to our children. Um, we, we teach him the purpose of receiving the word is to, to bring, um, to restore and to protect relationship. So that was kind of my first week that I talked about uh, the importance of bringing instruction. Many people will bring discipline uh, without first bringing instruction. How many have ever done that? Okay, like we just assume that our children know better and then we just discipline them. And the first step is always instruction. And so the second thing is discipline. So... Uh, we talked about instruction. The second week, we talked about discipline. And discipline is really a sign of love for another. Um, if, if you see someone is, is going the wrong way and you don't correct them in love and say, I think you're going the wrong way, it means you don't care for them, right? And I know discipline can be in society today such a negative word, but how many know we need discipline, right? And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 9 says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? Now, this is supposed to be encouraging. Listen to this. My children, don't make light the Lord's discipline, okay? Um, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. He disciplines us because he wants to keep us on the path that he has for us. Amen? So discipline is very important. We talked about how important it was that we as 
parents would follow in the Lord's example and bring discipline after we've brought instruction, okay? And we also talked about how, you know, you can be on fire for God and still be bad parents, right? Sometimes you think, well, I just, I just, I pray a lot, I worship a lot, I'm close to God, so I'm just going to assume that my kids will be okay. How many know that doesn't work, right? And we, we, we've learned that from experience, some of us, and it doesn't work. Uh, David was a man after God's heart, right? David was a man after God's heart, and, uh, but many of his offspring were not led in the same path that David was, right? And we see a little scripture here that gives us an insight of his, what was happening, at least with some of his children. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, About that time, David's son Ad- Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. I don't know if we got the right verse here. Go to the next verse. Yeah. Now, his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. He didn't discipline him at any time, even by asking, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? So I don't know if he was too busy or he didn't understand how to parent, but he let his kids do what he let it. He let him do what he wanted to. Adonijah had been born after Absalom and he was very handsome. And so uh, so we see rebellion in David's children because he didn't discipline them right. And this rebellion eventually led to his death. So say we need to give instruction, then we bring discipline. And the third one is just as important, it's encouragement. God, it's very important that we encourage one another in the Lord, right? Especially as the evil day approaches, the Bible says. But we need to encourage our children. And uh, these, these, this is like the holy trinity of discipline. It's always instruction, discipline, and encouragement. If you do instruction and discipline without encouragement, you fail, right? If you, if you give instruction but you don't discipline and you encourage, you fail. You need all three together, say all three, to make it work, all right? So what are, let's say it, say it together. We need to give instruction, we need to give discipline, and we need to give encouragement, okay? And here's a verse for you in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So we're going to look at why we have to encourage each other um, in the Lord. Okay? Now, in a relationship, for relationships to work, and if you're in this place and right now you're, you're not married or you were married and you're no longer married or you're single, this, this, this message applies to all relationships at a different level. So we can all draw from this today. So don't tune it out. Listen to what, what, what's being said here. Okay? Um, all relationships, for relationships to work, there must be intimacy. And when I talk about inti- intimacy, I'm not talking about sensual or sexual intimacy. That's for another day. It's important too, but that's not for today. In order to have intimacy, the word intimacy means close familiarity or friendship. It's talking about having closeness with one another. God wants us in our marriages and in our relationships to have a closeness heart to heart. He wants us to be familiar with what's going on in each other's lives. Okay? God wants us to understand intimacy in relationships, especially in the marriage, but also in the body, his church. Okay? And Satan, what Satan wants to do is Satan wants to divide. Satan wants walls put up. 
But God wants those walls down so that we can have intimacy. And I like the word intimacy. I, the best way to describe it is into me you see. Right? It's to be able to say, you can look into my life and I can look into your life. That's intimacy, okay? And so today I want to unveil one of the schemes of the enemy that destroys marriages and relationships. One thing we're going to talk about today, and then we're going to have a panel couple marriages that have been going the distance, and we're just going to have some questions for them today, okay? So um, let's go back to the first couple ever. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. How many would like to look at Adam and Eve's life? Let's look at this. We can pick on them because they're no longer here. We can go back to them until we get to heaven, then, then we'll be in trouble, right? Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 to 25, all right? It says here, you know, God created Eve because the animals weren't suitable as a companion for him. And so God says, I'm going to create a woman to, uh, to be in relationship with Adam. And, look, and look, look what he says. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Okay. All right. And, and uh, so Adam declares she's part of me. She's bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. We're one. There's no separation. Say no separation. When he talked about Eve, his wife, he talked about her as being part of who he was. She's bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. And this explains, verse 24, why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. See that word one? That word one is actually the word echad. Echad, I don't speak Hebrew, but it sounds like that. That word actually means uh, it's plural unity, okay? It's the same, same word used, echad, that word one, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4. It says, hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, okay? It's this unity between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, plural unity, okay? We're one body in Christ, one Lord and Savior. Okay, we're talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, so only after the entrance of sin, okay, was that echad, that one unity, broken. And I'm here to say as believers, because when we get saved, we, 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 the Spirit of God moves in and gives us a new heart, breaks off the sin nature, we can, if we work at it with the Holy Spirit, walk into echad again with our relationships. Isn't that awesome? And so we see here what happens here um, is they have this awesome unity. So we're going to read on and see what, what happens here in verse 4. Okay? This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two shall become one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Okay? They felt no shame. And... Um, he, he, I want you to understand this, okay? Obviously, we're talking about physically being naked, but there, what, what it's really talking about is that there was no embarrassment. There was no secrets. There was, they, they were just able to look into each other, and there was no shame. There was no shame. They were one. And I want you to see what happens here in chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. It says, I'm going to read through some of this. Is it okay if we read the Bible here? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field with which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Hath God indeed said, 
You shall eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, or shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay? And now I want you to see in verse 4 and 5, this one is actually in the King James. We don't have the King James, do we? We just have the New King James. But in the King James it says this, uh, for God knows, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods. Small g-o-d-s. Small g. You'll be like fallen angels. And when the angels fell with Lucifer, sin nature came in, and they were rebellious sons of God. Amen? The angels. So you will be like the fallen angels knowing good and evil, okay? Right? And so look what happens here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. So the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious. She wanted wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. So where was Adam? Was he with her? He was with her, okay? And at that moment... Their eyes were opened, and then suddenly, say suddenly, they felt shame at their nakedness. So suddenly, shame, shame just came right in. There's no reason for it. It just came in, okay? So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. What, why? Because shame came in. What is shame? I'll, I'll define shame to you. Shame is an unpleasant, self-conscious, emotional, typically associated with negative evaluation of self. When shame came in, there was an unpleasant, self-conscious emotion that came in. Feelings of distress, feelings of exposure, feelings of mistrust, feelings of worthlessness. Okay? And that's what happens when sin comes in and we're separated from God. There's this feeling of worthlessness, this feeling of guilt, this feeling of shame that comes in. And what we have to do immediately when we feel that is we're like, we got to cover up. So Adam and Eve now, for the first time, are flooded with feelings that are not their own feelings. They're from the kingdom of darkness. And it's the feelings of guilt and self-awareness and being negative. And suddenly they're flooded, like, what are we going to do? We've got to cover ourselves. This is strange. I feel guilty for the first time. And so they, they try to cover themselves with fig leaves. So let's read on. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 11. When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. And then the Lord called to the man, he said, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. And so shame, guilt, and fear entered in. And when, when you have shame in your life, um, it opens the door for fear to come in. And when fear comes in, you want to cover up. God wants us to be intimate and share our hearts with one another, but we, we have shame and fear, so we cover up and because we, we don't want to get hurt. How many see this? So let's read on and see what happens. Shame opens the door for fear, fear of being exposed. 
So God says, who told you that you were naked? I want you to think about this. Nobody told him. But God knew that somebody told him. Who told Adam and Eve they were naked? The feeling of shame. See, the enemy, the enemy can speak to you through feelings and through thoughts. And sometimes we think these are our own thoughts and these are our own feelings. And I'm telling you, that's not. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Sometimes this fear will come up, and it's not even of God. It's, it's the enemy trying to bring fear. And you have to stand and say, no, I, I'm not going to let fear into my life. I'm not going to let shame into my life. And you can, you can cast it off. We get into that at the Highway to Wholeness. We'll teach you how to walk fear, free from fear, shame, and guilt. That's what it's all about. And it, it's amazing when you get there. It's awesome. And so here's the thing. Shame opens the door for fear. God says, who told you you were naked? It was a feeling of shame that came in that told them they were naked. All right? He said, have you eaten of the fruit of the tree? I commanded you not to eat. All right? And now, this is where I want to go today, okay? Sin doesn't just separate us from God. It separates us from one another. Okay? It separates us from one another. Let's look at the next verse, Genesis chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. The man replied, okay, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. See, what happened was when shame came in, um, and Adam and Eve started listening to the voice of shame, the nature of the enemy, which is he's the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night before God, came in. And instead of him saying, you know what? My wife gave me the fruit, but it's my fault. I take responsibility because I was the one. I was there with her, and I should have taken responsibility. He, he didn't take responsibility. He didn't say, oh, you remember God? You know, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, so she made a mistake. But you know what? She made a mistake, therefore I made a mistake, and I take responsibility. That would have been the righteous thing to do. But he didn't. He, he said, no, 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 no. She's not, no longer bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's she did it. And he made an accusation that she was the source of the problem. Oh, by the way, God, you're the source of the problem, too, because you gave her to me. You see how accusation works? Because of shame. Their shame opens the door for fear, and because we're afraid, now we have to accuse others to protect our nakedness. Wow. Adam accused his wife. And he accused God to be the source of the problem. What happened to bone of my bone? I, I just, wow. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Well, the serpent deceived me, Lord. How many have heard that? It's the same thing. I hear it all the time today. Well, the devil made me do it. You know what I mean? Like, listen, the reality is, yes, he's the troublemaker and he's here to tempt us. But at the end of the day, we're responsible for our own choices. And when we recognize that we make a mistake and we stand before God and say, Lord, I've made a mistake and you don't want me to be in fear because you say come boldly into the throne room of grace and receive mercy in time of need. God tells us that because he knows there's a spirit called the spirit of fear that wants to put you in fear when you feel guilt and shame. So God says resist the fear and go directly into the throne room of grace and receive mercy in time of need. Go boldly. That means forget about fear. I'm going directly in. Isn't that good news? All right? So the woman accused the serpent. 
And um, we need to realize that when the sin nature came into man, Satan's nature responded through them. And he is the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. All right? And I think the key in relationships, uh, the key to save intimacy um, is not to cover shame, but to be willing to talk about it. To be willing to sit down with your spouse, with your friends, people who are close to you, and say, let's talk about our feelings. Let's not let these feelings overcome us. I'm really upset with you because you hurt me. Let's talk about it and have conversation and drive those feelings out because they're not from God. But instead, we put up walls. Amen? It's easier to put up a wall. I'll just go, you know what? I'm going to go pray for you. I'm going to go fast and pray for 30 days, but I'm not going to talk to you. Well, guess you've just let the devil win. How many see what I'm saying? Because God wants there to be unity between him, but also with one another, okay? In a few minutes, I'm going to have these guys come up and um, talk for a minute. Now, John chapter 3, verse 17 to 21. I want to, I want to talk about accusation towards God. Look at this. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Do you know how many people feel judged? You go to talk to people about God and say, well, God just wants to judge and condemn everybody. and He doesn't understand. He doesn't care. Those are accusations. That's not the heart of God. It says here, he, he came into the world to save the world through Christ. He didn't, hear, he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Look at what the next verse says. Verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Verse 19. Okay. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Verse 20. Okay. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear. Say, for fear. That their sins will be exposed. You know, when I went last year, a couple years ago, my wife and I went through a marriage counseling course called Caring for the Heart. Some of you have had an opportunity to go through that. And we were sitting down with the counselor, and uh, he got out a paper. He said, I want you guys to just write out, each write out, all your moral failures and your thoughts that you used to have. And I want you to write them all out because you're going to pray and ask God to cleanse you from all that stuff, right? Like, yeah, no problem. So we're writing it down. He said, I, then I want you guys to sit down and go over it with one another and pray together about it. I'm like, I don't want her to know that. Why does she have to know that? You know, and I'm not talking about you know, deep, gross sins. I'm just talking about talking about issues, right? And he said, you know, if you guys can't open up and talk about your life and she can't know what part your journey was like and and you know i can't know her journey how can you have intimacy you gotta be willing to talk about everything into me you see and so we did it and it was the most uncomfortable thing but you know what it drew us closer it didn't drive us apart it drew us closer to be able to be intimate with one another everything in darkness is sin and look what it says here all who, but those who want to do what, what is right come to the light so others can see what they're doing, that they're doing what God wants. And I want to say this is that the same way we enter into salvation, the kingdom of God, through humility is the same way we grow in the kingdom, is through humility. Being willing to come to the light. Being willing to, I've literally had to in the past 
go to a pastor who I was offended with and say, I'm really offended. I'm hurt because of this, this, and this. And we talked it out, and, and, and then things were okay. Right? Because the enemy hides in shame. I'm going to read one last verse, and then we're going to have our team come up. James chapter 5, verse 16, says this. For this reason, the Jews... No, that's not the right scripture. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There can be no shame if, there's, if you just bring it before God, if you bring it. And, and I think, too, it's important to say you don't have to share all your sins with people. But when you've trespassed against somebody, sit down and talk to them about it. When you're hurt by somebody, sit down and talk to them about it. And when you do that, then God's healing power begins to flow in our lives. And so I found one of the biggest issues that happens in families is the spirit of accusation. And my, we talk about it so much at our home that our kids have wrote a song about it. So we won't go into that. Um, but how, how do you, how do you um, deal with issues then? You don't want to throw accusation as you ask questions. We have this little bookmark that we, we had for the kids, and it says, this is what an accusation looks like. Billy, did you take, uh, Billy, you took, you took. So who took my toothbrush instead of saying, has anybody seen my toothbrush? Yeah. So you have to turn it into a question. Instead of saying, you did this, you did that, you can say, do you think it's right what you did? This is how it made me, f-. and you turn it into a question, and then let them search their heart and respond, Amen. And so I've learned in the past that I've been very guilty of accusing my wife and sometimes my kids, and I'm still working at it. But I'm trying to get accusation out of my life. Why? Because it's part of the nature of the devil. It's not the nature of God. Yes. And, you know, we're habits of creature, too. So we do, we get habits, right? And I was just actually picking up on one small thing. Like Travis said, a lot of truth here. But none of us are, you know, completing this. But he was just saying when you talk to somebody to say... uh, you hurt my feelings, but actually we're not supposed to do that. If you read about boundaries and stuff, you're supposed to say, when you did that, it made me feel like this. Or like, there's, you have to make it so that it's not an accusation. Now, we are not perfect in this. <laughs> we're still working on this, but that's the tricky thing. We've got to learn to communicate without accusations. And so it's, um, you have to own your own feelings. So you can't say, you made me feel like this. That's actually an accusation. You have to say something like, I forget, Matt Tapley did a really good teaching. Maybe sometime we should teach on that one, how to communicate without that. He, he did a really good one with that. But, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> but we can do it. That's awesome. Thank you, honey. So um, that's great. That's why she's my helper. She fills in. That's awesome. So we're going to have, we're gonna have uh, if you guys want to come, uh, Grace and Paul and um, Neil and Mark, if you'd come up. Just going to throw a couple questions at them just because they've been married for a few years. You guys have been married for... 42 years. They're not saying. Well, thank you for listening. I mean, this is, this is a message that I'm just starting to put together, so I'm, I'm still working it. Stuff God is showing me for my own personal life that we have to um, learn to recognize that guilt, shame, and fear, those feelings and those emotions, they're not of God. And uh, the next uh, few weeks in, in the Connect groups, we're going to be talking about how to overcome that, and then we're going into the highway to wholeness. It'll be a powerful uh, time. Um, so I just had a couple questions, uh, and I'm going to throw 
if you guys want to take turns and share. Um, pick one area of your marriage where you think you had a problem. Describe what was wrong and what you did to solve it. Um, area of your marriage where you think you had a problem and describe what was wrong and what you did to solve it. Well, yes, our marriage is uh, a miracle because uh, I learned a lot from my mother and that was very, very unhealthy. And <clears throat> the area that I had going into marriage was um, not revealing an awful lot of myself. I was closed. The wall was there and Grace would try to break down that wall and the more she tried to break it down, the higher the wall got and I had to learn to uh, trust and um, communicate. But I think probably uh, what I had to learn was the fact that I kept throwing um, invisible uh, daggers at her and that was an unhealthy thing that I learned in my life. <coughs> Uh, growing up because mom would, uh, things would build up in her life and build up and build up and she would not confront my dad uh, on issues. But all of a sudden, the pressure cooker, you remember those old pressure cookers? Yeah. Blew off, uh, the lid blew off and all of a sudden, you knew mom was in a rage. And uh, that's something that I took into uh, into our marriage uh, was allowing it to build up and build up and build up. And I think through communication, uh, prayer, and a lot of ups and downs in our marriage that I came to realize that you need to communicate. A little closer, communicate. just a little bit closer. Communicate. That's <laughs> you need to communicate with each other. And I think probably a turning point for me many years ago was um, Stormy Ormiston's book, Praying Wife. Oh, Martin, okay. And uh, Praying Husband. Yeah, and would you say too that there was probably a time in your marriage where you could have thrown in the towel? A few times. Yeah. We lost count. <laughs> no, we did rehearse that. Yeah, and you know here there might be <coughs> marriages <coughs> marriages in this room that didn't work and, and you've gone through divorce and this isn't to put con condemnation or anything because we can learn for our relationships in the future. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This is you're just talking about practically um, you know how this works. So you go ahead. Um, I think every marriage brings what they learn from their parents' marriages. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't, if you come from a dysfunctional home, which both Paul and I came from, we both carried that pattern into our marriage. And with my ma parents, my father was withdrawn and my mother told everybody what to do. So <laughs> with me, I just became withdrawn and I didn't respond to anything and it just kept building up and building up until eventually I didn't like him anymore. And um, we both had to learn to be honest with what we were feeling. And I also discovered that you put something on the back of the stove to simmer, it eventually boils. <laughs> hmm. You guys, you think of something? Yeah. It <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, 
I can go to the next question if you prefer <laughs> that. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can tie it in because I, I got this next question. Maybe it will tie in, maybe it won't. But here's, have you ever played the accusation game and how did you break the cycle? Absolutely. Um, because we're in our sixth decade of marriage and... Um, <laughs> and you're sleeping on the couch tonight. Okay. <laughs> and it's important for you to know that because it, it changes every decade many different times. And what I might say for you for our position today is much different than it was in the second decade. Um, it, it changes. It grows. It's, it's a maturing process, and God intends it to be. Um, we actually looked at that question, and I said, well, the Lord keeps us together to grind us down to the point we fit together, you know, because sometimes that's how it feels. Um, but we made a decision when we first got married, before we were really even walking with the Lord to any great degree, that the back door was closed. We don't believe in divorce, and we're not doing that. We know God doesn't want that either. You know, we are not the gold standard on marriage, but Jesus is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he's the one that I always went to and looked to. When we have disagreement, I always go to God first. I didn't have a father. I didn't see a, a marriage situation like, you know, some other people. So I had no idea what that looks like. So I had to go to him. I had no option, but it was the best option. Yeah. And the reality is I worked that through with him first. It's about me. It's not about her. It's, it's God knows the answer, and he's got the answer for me and wants me to have that answer. And once that establishes itself between my Father in heaven and myself, then I can come back and start to talk with my spouse, with my wife, who is his one flesh with me. And God is making us into that every day. So the reality is, is that it starts with God because he puts us together in the first place. Make sure that that's what's in your heart. We're here because God put us together, okay? We may not like some things in each other, but that doesn't matter. God put us together, and who God puts together, let no man put us under. So the reality is he wants this to be completed in his way and in his time. So let him do it, but you can't do it without being intimate with him. That's right. It's the only way you can get the answer. <laughs> and, and this is before really either one of us knew much about Scripture. We were walking in Scripture, not understanding we were walking in Scripture. And that's God. That's, that's him and his protection. Okay, and, and that is how a, a godly father is. Okay, in spite of everything we do, he's, he's keeping us and he's showing us how to go through life. And I think that it's important for you to know we've made every mistake in the book. I don't think you could pick one out there that, isn't, that we haven't made. But we have understood the process of how to deal with it before God first and then before each other next, okay? And we are able to walk on from that without the memories. There is no memories of any of it. It's gone because he ensures that that holy Manasseh comes. 
so we don't have to do that again. So if we play the blame game, guess what? It's flesh. There's no option to it. And we have done it. How do we break it? You must ask God to show it to you immediately. In other words, yes, the accusation comes. It doesn't mean you have to speak it. Okay, it can be a thought. But until you voice it, it doesn't become that thing that sits in the heavenlies and has to be brought back, okay? So the reality is, is that I've had to ask God to cease to hold my tongue, help me to hold my tongue, because it's me who has the, the will to deal with that. And when I started to do that, little by little, he started to check me before anything happened, okay? It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't something that's easy. Don't get me wrong. The answers, why they, while they may be spoken here in five or ten minutes, don't happen in five or ten minutes. But you have to continue to seek him, continue to listen for him, continue to walk in the word that he's given you already. And you will overcome. That's good. Um, I just wanted to say, too, like you brought up that principle at the end. Um, God gave us several key principles, kingdom principles. Um, he takes us to school. I always call that um, school because there's different seasons of your life. And um, he will meet you in every season and every situation. But James 5, 14 or 16, confess your faults one to the other and uh, pray for one another that you may be healed. And uh, God gave us that principle many years ago. And we do that. Boy, is it ever humiliating and humble humbling. I mean, it does such a good work in me personally, because we are two very strong people. And so the Lord has had a sense of humor putting us together, butting heads. But uh, he, he has uh, worked marvelously in our life. So as we would come and I'd say, will you forgive me for this, Neil? Just, you know, just it's so hard. And, uh, and confessing. I, and he'd say, honey, honey, he, you know, he just, no, no, no. I said, no, you have to let me confess <laughs> and and uh and he would always and then he would pray um um and we would um he would always ask god for forgiveness for the very same thing whatever it was that i confess um we do that now like we come i, I mean this week i came to him in tears uh, about something and uh and and so that's a real healing uh principle of god just uh, yeah and be careful who you confess to i confessed it to neil and to Father, because it, David said, it's against you, God, that I've sinned. When he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he said, that's the first thing he said, he came to his senses and said, it's against you, God, that I've mm -hmm. sinned. Um, and we do, we can sin, every sin is against God. We forget that. It's not just against our mate. Amen. Amen. Awesome. That's, a, that's good. And I guess my last question, because we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes here. Um, the last question is, uh, what advice would you give younger couples to help them go the distance. Um, and go ahead. I would say keep short accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, what we do now is with, if something is said that offends the other, we don't address it immediately. We wait till we're calmed down and then come back and say, well, what was it you meant by that? And also in addressing it, you don't use you words, you use I words. Mm -hmm. I feel this when this happens. Not, well, you did this or you did that. Mm -hmm. And um, don't let things build up. And be, um, 
be transparent and also to look within yourself and see what is in me that makes me feel offended at that. Mm -hmm. And often it's something we've carried over from something that's hurt us maybe years ago. Mm -hmm. And if it reminds you, if, if Paul were to say something that someone said to me years ago that hurt me and I was still hurting over it, then that's going to bring that old wound back. And it's going to bring back much more intense pain because it's an older wound. So you got to remember or to think about, is this a new thing or is this something that's being carried forward from something else that where I was hurt? Mm -hmm. And just to be upfront and say, I need to understand what you meant by that. Amen. That's good. I think uh, advice that I would give, uh, question again, the advice I would give. Any advice you'd give to a younger couple to help them go the distance. To help them go to the distance. Don't go into a relationship, uh, especially a marriage, thinking that she is going to fix me or he is going to fix me because that does not work. Um, we are responsible for what has happened in our past and we need to confess it. Uh, we, she, he, uh, her is uh, responsible for their background and um, a lot of people will uh, escape uh, family life for marriage to get out of a situation. So the husband's not going to fix his wife. The wife is not going to fix the husband. And I think uh, I owe a lot of credit to uh, Grace because uh, <coughs> going back to our early marriage, uh, my mother met her match. You think my <laughs> wife... You think my wife is quiet. <laughs> she is. I'll let you continue to believe that. <laughs> but I think it was her strength that helped me throughout the years because she was able to speak up and my mother was at a loss. She finally mm -hmm. found her match. Amen. That's good. Would, um, yeah, could I just say something? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think... Well, I know that as you clo grow closer to God and make that your top priority, then you're going to grow closer to your mate, your yeah. wife or, or husband, because God is changing you as you're drawing closer to him. So you're being more sensitive to what their needs are. And the Bible tells us that man's greatest need is respect and significance. And a woman's greatest need is love and security. And when you keep that in mind, then you're able to give them what they need. That's awesome. And I think a really important principle here is not to allow the enemy to hijack your f emotions and your feelings. Yeah. I mean, literally, how many of us can be honest, can say on the way to church at one point in your life, you had an argument <laughs> out of this world argument on the way to church? Let me see your hands. Honestly, okay, we've all done it. Why does the argument happen on the way to church? Yeah. So you can see the enemy is that spiritual warfare. You've got to take every thought captive because the enemy is trying to give you thoughts that are going to cause emotions to stir. And so our emotions are our own. Anger, even anger. Be angry, but don't sin. It's not a sin to be angry. Just don't sin when you're angry. Right? And all the emotions are from God. Let's not let the enemy hijack our emotions because he wants to separate us in our relationships. So my wife and I have noticed now when we see you know, something stir up that we can pray in such a way to say, no, we choose not mm -hmm. to participate right. with the spirit right. of envy and jealousy or the spirit of accusation. We cast it away from us in Jesus' name, and we separate that as a work of the enemy 
against our emotions. Mm -hmm. So in closing, you guys want to close with that question. What advice would you give younger couples? I think from a husband's point of view, I would say listen, listen, listen. <laughs> um, and listen as if it's you speaking to you. Does that make sense to you, anybody? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is she is me, all right? She's just a part of me I don't really uh, understand as well as <laughs> I think I should, okay? The reality is I, I, I have to listen, 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 and then relate that somehow to myself and my heavenly father helps me with that jesus helps me with that and she helps me with that you see i'm being honest i don't always understand most of the time i don't understand actually but i want to because she's part of me um i again another principle um 30 years ago i just happened to look in my bible to check it it's ephesians um 214 um, the Lord gave me this verse um, 30 years ago uh, in our marriage and uh, we've already been married a long time by then and he was on a little missionary trip to Honduras with Peter and a bunch of guys for three weeks and that was a good thing because we needed a little bit of a time out there uh, at that point in our marriage and God really dealt with me again he talked to me because it's about me you know often I would pray with my list about Neil and the Lord would tap me on the shoulder and say, leave Neil to me. He's my workmanship. You, you mind your own business. I want to talk to you about you. And I said, about me? What could there be about me? But anyway, um, so he was talking to me about me while Neil was away. And Ephesians 2.14 says, um, uh, for he is our peace who has made the two one and has broken down the middle wall of division between us. And Jesus showed me that in a, in a vision like... Um, that if I will come to Neil through Jesus, he is our peace, who's broken down, the, who has made the two one, broken down the middle wall of division, because the wall is selfishness. I'm selfish inherently, he's selfish inherently. And so when we'll let that go and we come to one another through Jesus, there's peace. There's mm -hmm. always peace. That's awesome. You know, and sometimes when it's a difficult thing that I want to talk about that is from Mars for Neil, um, or Venus or wherever, uh, I pray um, often, well, I do pray first, say, Lord, give him an ear to hear me. Let him actually hear what the intent of my heart is. My mouth and lips are saying one thing, but there's an intent of my heart, a feminine intent that he needs to know and hear. And uh, I've gone to him and, uh, and, s and sat down and, and, uh, and talked to him, and, and God just gives him a softening to actually hear what I'm saying. Because I came through Jesus. I used to come, you know, with all my list, Neil, yeah, accusation of, you know, you da-da-da-da. And, and, uh, and the Lord said, just let all that fall to the ground, you know, and come through me. So uh, that's Amen. a real key for all couples. That's good. Uh, yeah, peace. That's really good. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. Why don't we stand and pray? How many received, how many enjoyed that? H hearing, is that awesome? To hear, you know, like, that we've all gone through our struggles and well, Father we just come before you this morning we thank you Lord that um, it's your desire for us to be intimate with you and intimate with one another in relationships and marriages but also with one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord that we are able to come 
And if you have a fault with your brother, you go to them. Why? Because we want to protect intimacy. So right now, Father, we thank you that we have recognized one of the schemes and trickery of the devil is to bring the spirit of shame and guilt and fear. And so we renounce that and we choose, when we feel those feelings, we choose to, to go against the grain and go right into relationship and to go right into transparency and to confess our sins one to another. So Father, I thank you that this word will settle deep. I pray for all those who have had failed relationships, Lord. I thank you that you don't look at that. Your mercy is new every morning and our sins you've thrown far from us as far as east is from the west. May we learn from these principles in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All God's people said, amen. Awesome. So we're going to go now. And did you want to share something quick? Yeah, I think I have to. I just want to, just a little, little quick, I know we got to get moving, but just a little quick wedding of your appetite for the highway to wholeness. Um, we were just reading that scripture, therefore man shall leave his father and mother and cleave his wife. And there's a there's a, a principle that we're getting a hold of that we're really excited because, you know, we were talking about that you can get patterns from your parents coming down, but there's a reason why we're to leave our mother and father, spiritually speaking, and take responsibility for our own life because we can break those things. That's what we're going to be learning in Highway to Wholeness, how to break the pattern and those generational things that we find ourselves because we all have dysfunction from our families one way or another so i just wanted to whet your appetite with that that that's part of what we're going to be learning yeah we only have i think room for 20 people so register online right away um if we have to do more but we're trying to keep it smaller so register as soon as possible thank you thank you for listening we hope that you enjoyed our message if you are in the quinty west area we would love to have you visit us on sunday morning at 24 dundas street west trenton ontario Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.